Inside Westminster, chapter 239, In Confidence. Prince Marcus just thanked the good Lord that Fitzy was still by his side and that they'd managed to bolt northwards before the US court summonses arrival. He'd been warned by the palace's security team that strange American-looking snoopers had been spied in the undergrowth alongside the tree-lined avenue which had become one of his and the Queen's favourite hacking routes. The prince's lawyers had warned him from the start of the whole sorry fandango not to report, respond to anything, not to letters, emails, phone calls, let alone allow foreign-looking folks anywhere near his royal person and absolutely not to tread foot anywhere in the world under US, ju- US jurisdiction. As much as his royal grumpiness hated doing as he was told, he'd had no choice but to submit to their advice, as he simply was terrified that his past was catching up with him at the speed of Concord, and that somehow he may innocently be inveigled into accepting the court summons into his sweaty hand. Oh, but check he said to himself, I've got a serious gland issue caused by my heroic adventures during the Falklands War and I simply can't suffer from clammy palms. The atmosphere on the arrival of the prince and his ex at Balmoral was sombre, with his dear mamma looking, well, old and worn out. Her madge had managed to put on a brave face for her subjects for all the many years of her reign, fulfilling the promise she'd made to her nation as a 21-year-old but these past few years had been had taken their toll and she was beginning to feel every bit of her 95 years. The Queen had actually started to dread hearing the news, either on television or on the radio, and had all but given up reading the newspapers. The twin barbs of her son and grandson's behaviour had affected her more than she cared to admit. All so personal, so unnecessary, and undoing her life's work of knitting this nation together. How could they both be so selfish, so careless about what this family has achieved and what we stand for? She often said to her one confidant, her personal dresser, Linda. Linda had been taken on in the 60s from the fallout of the Dagnum car factory closures, having applied for and got the job of personal shoe stretcher to her madge. It had been her good fortune that she was exactly the same size of foot as the Queen, and having no recorded foot ailments, catching or otherwise, she'd won the placement. Unbelievably, such a position as shoe comforter to her regal person had existed in the 60s, and as a single parent in need of an income to support her three children, Linda had jumped for joy, literally, and rushed next door to celebrate with her mother Mabel. That had been the start of a friendship which had endured well over 50 years and which had brought these two women from polar opposite backgrounds close together. Closer probably than most sisters, since there was no sibling rivalry involved. And she'd done well, never complaining at the tediousness of the role for which she'd been taken on. Linda had risen through the ranks of the downstairs section of the palace society until she had become the only person including the late Prince Frederick, in whom the Queen confided totally, telling her her innermost thoughts. The Queen was always interested in Linda's family, and Linda returned the compliment. 
though the latest shenanigans of Prince Rupert and the ongoing catastrophic saga involving Prince Marcus were beyond her understanding. She couldn't fathom how children who'd had such so much privilege could turn out to be, in her humble opinion, opinion such ungrateful rotters, though she'd never have expressed this opinion to her madge. One of Linda's daughters had read the latest edition of the Winchester's Wingerthon, bearing the title We Deserve, in which a new and lengthened epilogue had been inserted, inserting, inserted, bumping up the price by a fiver. This added verbiage had informed the reader that the author had actually said that the pair thought the Queen had shirked the responsibility of investigating the claims they'd made of racism towards Sass. How can we move forward, Sass had been quoted, when the Queen does not take ownership of this insult and does not acknowledge our pain? Linda was horrified at the cheek of it all, saying to her daughter, How dare that little tyke and his missus criticise our Majesty, who's just about fed up with them all? And who could disagree? Disagree?